everybody and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Danny, And I'm Giacomo. And this is our 50th episode. Yay! <laughs> ah, I've been waiting to say that for like... I want to say almost 10 episodes and I didn't even get a chance to say it because we go, I don't know if you guys can tell. I'm sure they can't. <laughs> <laughs> but we know, we take turns with the intro and I was like, who's it going to be? Do you want to say this is our 50th episode? Go ahead. And this is our 50th episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Anyway, so uh, yeah, back to recording multiple episodes in a day, which I kind of like it this way. We just, I feel like we just get into the zone and the conversations just, they just flow a little better that way, you know? So when this episode comes out, I believe we are going to be heading down for the Orlando Europa, which is going to be uh, in Orlando. And <laughs> it is April 7th and 8th, I think. No. Right? No, it's April like 13th, 14th, and 15th. I can't keep track. Something like that. We'll be in Orlando. We'll be at the Europa. You guys should come say hi. Yeah. We're going to be at, it is not going to be the vegan bodybuilding booth anymore, which I don't think that we've mentioned yet. It's actually going to be the vegan strong booth. So under a different umbrella and we'll have different, I haven't even seen the booth yet because we weren't at the Arnold. So the Arnold was the first expo that the vegan strong booth was at but we were working on the vegan cruise so we didn't get to see it uh so we will be seeing it for the first time in orlando should be very exciting we have so many so many events coming up this year guys i'm actually going to post it on my social media today our schedule i'm trying to keep track i feel like are we doing something else in april i don't even know but whatever the case is i feel like we have several expos coming up get something going on to me as well. And this is our first time at a Europa Expo. I'm kind of curious to see what it's like. Yeah, I'm really excited. I have a friend who's going to be competing in the powerlifting event down there. Uh, her name is Brittany and she's vegan. Her She just changed her Instagram name. I don't know what it is now, but it was Brick House by Brit. And she's pretty freaking strong, so I'm pretty excited to see that. Right on. I didn't realize she was competing <clears throat> at that one. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep. So we are, speaking of Instagram... Uh, today, we are going to be talking about a pretty heavy topic, like a topic that has been weighing on my mind super heavily for months now, and it comes up in conversation with clients almost every single day, and I just felt like maybe we should just shoot the shit about it on the podcast, and why not on the 50th episode? Today, we're going to be talking about social media. All right, guys, so I want to let you know we have our next 12-week vegan fat loss course starting up on June 1st, which is coming up really soon. So what it is is it's a 12-week self-guided vegan fat loss program. So we don't just custom calculate your macros and give you workouts, which we definitely do that, but we also provide you with educational videos almost every day of this program so you not only get the results that you want, but you learn how and why you're getting the results that you want. You'll also have access to our private meal planner and over a hundred high protein and macro friendly vegan recipes that you can drag and drop to create shopping lists and see what best fits your macros. You'll also be added to our private coaching community online and you'll also get a copy of my ebook flexible dieting for vegans so that you can learn all about how to count your macros before you even begin. So we are offering a special discount specifically to Muscles by Brussels radio listeners. So if you are interested in that, you can go ahead and go to bit.com slash vegan fat loss course and the coupon code for you guys is mbb radio and that gets you 25 dollars off of the program of course if you have any questions don't hesitate to shoot them at us at info at veganproteins.com that is a very big topic i don't really know how we're going to break this down there's so much to talk about i don't even think we can break it down all we can do is really just talk about our own thoughts on this one so i mean obviously in many ways social media is a blessing and in many ways it's a curse i mean i kind of remember like when we first started 
going on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. And I kind of remember, it was maybe like 10, 12 years ago or something when social media tools first started being used on a grand scale, you know? Like Facebook, I think, started with students, right? And then it just became something that everyone used. And then Instagram blew up. And it seems like the certain sectors were drawn to Instagram, and I would say fitness is one of them, and that still holds true to this day more than ever, really. And I think when, when it first happened, it was kind of just fun to just be able to, you know, connect with others uh, who were interested in the same sports as you and whatnot. And it's just turned into a whole different beast at this point, you know? And I, and I, and I would have to say, like, if you were asking my opinion, I think that the algorithms are largely to bl blame for that, you know, like just making social media more of a business than anything. And I think it's gotten to the point where posting for those who at least have, you know, for business owners or for fitness professionals, moreover, it's gotten to the point where every single thing you think about that you post, you have to think to yourself, is this going to get attention? Is it the, and, and the ways that posts are getting attention, you know, whether it, there's the hypersexualization of uh, of a physique, male or female, for example, like there's just no end to the extreme. And then you know you have these algorithms that sort of cut others down that are not going to these extremes, and you're sort of measured up to these expectations as a fitness professional. I mean, this is just one diatribe that I'm going on, but I think social media in general kind of perpetuates this. Kind of. <laughs> No, it is it. It's where it's where it's coming from. The number of of people that I talk to on a daily basis that are very anxious about their own progress and their own sort of status largely because of social media, it's astounding. And of course, like, you know, I know veganbodybuilding.com wasn't social media per se, but it was the internet and that's literally how you and I met Giacomo. Like we have met, I don't, I mean, almost all of our friends, literally, no joke, almost all of our friends that we communicate with on the regular now, we met them on the internet. Like, we didn't just happen to meet in passing. Almost all of our friends are from the internet. So there is a huge blessing to that. And a lot of these people are like, obviously, or they wouldn't be our friends. They're amazing human beings that we love and are super grateful for. But on the flip side of that, like Giacomo just said, I don't think that social media is fun anymore. And not just because we use it largely for business, which I think, you know, years ago, big brands would use social media for business, right? Now everybody is using it for business, whether they have a business or not. It's almost like people are often treating their own personal self as though it's a business and a brand, even when it's not. Does that make sense? It's like everybody Kinda. is their own brand and it's almost like, I said this recently, and I don't, maybe I heard it somewhere, but I don't know. It's like we're all creating avatars of ourselves on the internet. All of us. And I consider myself and Giacomo to be people of like great amounts of integrity. And even for us, oftentimes it can feel disingenuous to post pictures of our quote unquote life that are obviously pretty curated. But at the same time, if you don't take the time to curate those things, you reach fewer people. And I don't mean this from a business slash money-making standpoint. I mean this as a, like our mission statement is to help as many people either transition to or flourish on a vegan diet. Like we want to help more people. In order to help more people, we need to be in front of more people's eyes. In order to be in front of more people's eyes, you need to sort of be willing to play the game to a degree. And for me... For me, this is something that I wrestle with literally on a day-to-day -day basis because it feels phony to me. I think that you can 
find your audience within like the social media marketplace, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be left unscathed by the demands that social media puts on you, whether you're trying to have social validation amongst your peers just as a person and not even necessarily a fitness professional in any way, whether you're a small business owner, whatever the case is, if you're out there putting your stuff into the internet ether on social media, you're going to get sized up by the social media tools, whether you like it or not. Like everyone feels it when they get rewarded with a like or a comment or not. And like it or not, that does play on your psyche to some extent. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I, I certainly don't think that I'm above it. Like, I don't think any of us are above it. A whole bunch of people start following you and suddenly give a shit what you have to say. Like that feels good. It feels like, yeah, man, I'm doing the right thing. Um, and when the opposite happens, of course, the opposite feelings are true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's something that a lot of people struggle with and it, it's certainly something that I struggle with and you know because I talk to you about it like all the time how it is maddening to me to feel like we need to like put on a show sometimes and it's one of the things that I fucking love about this podcast is that this podcast especially does not feel like a show at all we're sitting here in our pajamas in the kitchen drinking coffee and talking about social media and I really really love that and we appreciate you guys for listening and this is obviously the most long form like content that we make but in the day-to-day I think if it's affecting me if it gets in my head and this is just my job partially and also you know I've seen behind the curtain of fitness and of bodybuilding and of business and fitness business like I have peeked behind that curtain I already know to a large degree what's real and what's not and it screws with me so I think about people who are not in this industry who are not like close to their goals they have a long way to go still and like how goddamned frustrating it must be that every time you pick up their phone, every time you pick up your phone, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who just seem like they've gotten it right from the get-go. And I don't, I think once upon a time, like you said, when social media was new and everybody was using it very innocently to like connect with other people, to motivate one another, I feel like it was pretty motivating back then, but now I feel like it demotivates more people than it inspires. So I guess the real question here is just how toxic is social media versus it being a place where you can benefit like a playground that you can benefit. Well, I'll tell you this. I read a really fascinating article of the creators of Facebook. Not obviously not um, Zuckerberg, but one of the original creators of Facebook, one of the creators of Instagram, etc. And every single one of them said like they will not use the platform. And the guy who invented the scrolling feature uh, literally says like, essentially he was like, man, I screwed up. Like, because that scrolling is so addictive to the brain. And of course, that's how it was designed to be. But not even the platforms themselves, just the scrolling feature, just the guy who invented the scrolling feature, uh, like, regrets it at this point. Like, I, maybe I'm nuts, but I feel like social media is going to be the final, like, downfall uh, to humanity, not to go too far off topic, but I definitely think, like, that that is, it's paving the way, for sure, in multiple, multiple ways that have nothing to do with fitness and more have to do with the way information is distributed, but that's a whole separate topic. How's it going to go down, Danny? I'm not, no, don't. <laughs> don't Dude, we don't want to go don't there. Don't bait me right it's now. It's too dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, from a fitness perspective and from somebody who uh, absolutely loathes, and maybe we could talk about this, I loathe the term influencer. You really do. I really do. Yeah, I mean, you, like, you take that shit personally. Like, I mean, like, I get it, but it's like, whatever. It's just, I don't know. 
big companies like to use the word. Well, I have a picture in my mind of what an influencer is because I know some of them, some more uh, integrous than others. And it's just, it's not a pretty picture in my opinion. So when somebody occasionally uses the word to describe myself, like, mm. oh, I get, I get chills. My teeth itch when I hear it. <laughs> like, I can't stand it. Because to me, the actual word influencer means you have the power of influence over people obviously right like that's what it comes from but what it means now is not like oh you're influencing somebody to create balance in their life and to create sustainable systems it means and here's the bottom freaking line y'all it means i'm influencing you to buy something period whenever somebody is referred to as an influencer, they're selling you something. Like, that's fine, I get it. People need to pay their bills and you do you, I get that. But I think the problem is that a lot of people who just don't know better are kind of being, they're being sold to without knowing they're being sold to. It's the reason that Instagram made it so if you're doing a promoted post or someone's paying you to post something, you have to use the hashtag ad now. And of course people skirt around this all the time, but it's, you know, subliminal messages, subliminal commercials were like outlawed in America back in the fifties, I think. And it's still happening today on social media under the code word influencer. Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends because I guess on the whole, like the idea itself isn't, I don't think it's bad per se to be able to, you know, pay your bills or in other words, promote something you believe in, right? I already use this product. I already follow this diet. I already like this t-shirt. Now, this is the way that I live my life. People, I have an audience and there's nothing, there's no harm per se in promoting things that you believe in or even being approached by companies with things you actually believe in would be like, wow, I would love to, for this to, to get in front of the, the eyes of the people who actually give a crap about what I have to say. I don't know why they do, but they do. Um, so I think in, in that regard, I don't see, I don't see the harm in it. I think where it becomes, I think where it goes wrong is when you literally have, okay, we'll just, we'll go ahead and say influencers. The type of influencer, right, that literally just has their hand out, like, look, I have an audience, here's my hand, put something in it, and if you pay me, I will market it, and I don't give a crap about it. And maybe I like it, maybe I don't, but give me that thing and pay me, and I'll do it. And I think that's, I think that's where, you know, you cross the line, and the, the audience can kind of be duped without even realizing it because they believe in this person. Right. And I totally agree with you. There have been plenty of products that I have promoted that I use and I love, but there are a lot of people who, like you just said, they will just promote anything. Anybody that will pay them, they're going to shill the product. That's that's whatever. I think the issue is the number of people who don't know they're being sold something. They don't know they're looking at mm. an ad. They think they're looking at you, the human. You're watching an ad and you don't even know it. So that to me is huge, huge, huge problem. And I, that in and of itself makes it, it's not, as it is, we're already being shown ads constantly in our feeds that say sponsored or whatever. But what a lot of people don't realize is that they're being shown a lot more ads than that. It's just not saying ads on it. The other issue that I have, this, this is kind of like a two part thing is the number of photos of fitness professionals that are so edited that it no longer actually resembles that person. <laughs> At all. And this is actually a huge issue in the, the like beauty, the makeup. I can't think of what they're called. I don't know. People that do lots of like makeup tutorials and stuff like that. It's a huge issue there as well. But essentially the pictures are so edited and in the fitness realm, this comes all the way down to people, not just like editing out their stretch marks or covering a pimple or whatever. 
um, it comes down to like literally basically photoshopping your body so that it looks more like how you want it to look. Once upon a time, you had to be really, really good at Photoshop to be able to do this. And a couple of years ago, I actually posted a side-by-side -side of myself um, where I showed you how I could Photoshop my body from my phone in five seconds. And that was like three years ago. It's even easier now. You can literally blow up your delts, make your booty bigger, make your waist smaller, et cetera, et cetera, from your phone for free instantly. You can blur out your pores. You can blur out your stretch marks. You can make your teeth whiter and your eyes brighter. And I think to a degree, like we all want to put our best self forward, right? Like I have definitely edited some acne out of my pictures. I'm, I'm not free of guilt here. But where do we draw the line? Where is the line? And it's like, you know, these days, I think people are far more concerned with what they look like on their screens than what they look like in the mirror. And then when that virtual reality is no longer a thing and they only have themselves to work with, they're unhappy. You know, when you have like this whole toxic environment that it's, it does, it's not even real. And how many times have we been at these fitness expos and seen some huge fitness celebrity in person and been like, oh, <laughs> they don't, they look totally different in real life than they look on their phone and, and, yeah. or on your phone. And some of that can just be chalked up to the fact that models in general look better in photos than they do in real life. That's a model's job is to look amazing in photos. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of it is just due to heavy photo editing. And I don't, I think you can like intellectually know like, okay, I'm looking at edited photos, right? Like no one picks up Cosmopolitan magazine and thinks that the chick on the cover hasn't been Photoshopped. We know it, but it's different when it's like, oh, it's your neighbor next door and they're Photoshopped. And it's this girl you went to school with and she's Photoshopped and everything you scroll through has been put through a filter or an editor. And I don't think we quite understand the magnitude of what that does to our own brain and our own self-worth when we scroll through literally thousands of photos in a week. And we just see it over and over and over. And we're seeing maybe one shot out of a thousand that were taken that day that was the perfect shot with the perfect filter run through the perfect editor, photoshopped just so, like... Could have been shot a year ago. Oh, for sure. Like, it, the effect of this on our brains over time, I think is a lot more profound than people realize it is. And along with the body editing, the steroids, man. Like, we did a whole podcast on steroids and hopefully we kind of illustrated the fact that it is a lot more common than people realize it is. Uh, and I think that's always been true. But now with the surge of social media, it's even more true. I was listening to this incredible podcast. Incredible podcast. It's Omar Isaf, His It's him and Eric Helms. And the podcast is called Iron Culture. And they did a podcast that was a, a super open discussion about steroid use um, with the two of them, who they're both natural. And they talked to John Meadows and Dr. Mike Isretel, who are open about their usage and their clients' usage. And it was just a great discussion. Totally recommend it. But one of the things that John Meadows, who has been bodybuilding for 40 years. He said, you know, 20 years ago, people would run a cycle of steroids for a bodybuilding show. And now people run cycles of steroids for Instagram. <laughs> and they're, for, you know, you used to run it for like four to six weeks or six to eight weeks and come off for a few months. And now people are afraid to come off because they won't look the same for Instagram. It's crazy. People are taking mad steroids for Instagram. Um, uh, an acquaintance, a local vegan competitor just came out last night on Instagram as having started up using steroids in this past year. She was a natural pro. So her progress over the last year has had me sitting here scratching my head like, how the hell is she doing that? How is she doing that? And I have to give her a ton of props for literally coming out last night and being like, hey guys, I'm on Anavar now, essentially, is what she said. And I was like, oh, all of that makes sense. But for the past year, I've just been watching this going, 
how the hell is she still able to get results like this? Like happy for her, of course, but what the hell? And that's just one person who I happen to know in real life. Like people are jumping natty shipped left and right to go start taking something um, to impressively enhance their physique results. See, I wrestle with this <sighs> because it's like, it, you can just, you can easily be that person where like nothing is real, everything is fake, why even bother and everything. It gets so easy to take a cynical approach and be like, no one's natural and I can't believe anything. I can't be inspired by anything. And I, I would hate to think that way. I mean, ultimately, obviously, you just got to have, it's it's you versus you and it's yeah. your body you have to pay attention to. But I don't think, I don't think that it's healthy to have a jaded opinion of the fitness industry in general because, I mean, yes, steroids run rampant and the athletes who are enhanced tend to get ahead of the athletes who are natural, but there are plenty of natural athletes out there. There are drug-tested organizations. There are heroes that are larger life to me personally that will be for the rest of my life uh, who who are lifetime natties, and I, I, I would hate to see our industry becomes so jaded to believe that that is not possible and that those people are not out there, both genetic freaks and those who have done amazing things with their mediocre or moderately above average genetics. I think those individuals do exist. It's just, it takes them decades to get there. And some of them started uh, much earlier in life and stuck with it their whole lives. And, and others are, you know, it's just going to take them 10 to 20 years um, to do it, but they're out there. And, um, I guess I just can't stress that enough. So I agree with you, obviously. I mean, I intend to stay natural for the rest of my life. I intend to compete in natural organizations until ripe old age. But if you're somebody who's just deciding, I want to make a healthier, I want to become healthier. Like, yes, those people who are either incredibly edited or they're taking steroids, um, they're inspiring for a bit. And then when you've put in a couple years of work, and you realize you are nowhere near that, it kind of stops being inspiring and starts being upsetting. And a lot of people just quit. And I know because I have those conversations with people where they're like, okay, this is goals. And they show you a picture of something that um, maybe not be, might not be unattainable, but it's like a very high level <sighs> physique that to a degree genetics is playing a large role. And they work and they work and they work and like they improve their life and they, they look better. And by all rights, they should be really happy with their progress. But it's so far from what they had in their head that they are incredibly discouraged. But what they can't see is all the shit that happened again behind the curtain to create this image of this person. And uh, again... I think that when you are bombarded with this, every time you click your phone open over and over and over again, I just think it has a much larger implication than maybe you even realize. So what do you do about it? Personally, I think, uh, I think most people could really, really benefit from limiting their social media exposure. And I say that as somebody who, whose business you know, relies, not entirely, but I mean, it. there's a good chunk, you know, we're going to share this podcast all over social media. Ironically, I'm sure. Um, I say that as somebody whose business does rely somewhat on social media that I think most people should get off of social media to a large degree. Like, stop following accounts that make you feel bad. If every time you see somebody's picture or whatever and it makes you feel crummy just unfollow them. Or if it's a friend and they're making you feel bad, like hide from feed or whatever that little option is. If you don't want to actually unfollow a friend, um, limit your screen time. You've been doing this and you've been doing a really good job with it. Yeah. And I, you know, I made a, a YouTube video about that actually, cause I feel like that's something I'm very passionate about is just figuring out. I just have the type of personality where I can get really wrapped up into social things and just, you know, ex things that are, I'm extroverted, put it that way. So anything that has a lot of energy, I, I, it can absorb me and social media is not the exception. So, um, I cannot not be on it because our business is dependent on it, but 
I think there's there's ways to limit screen time. So what I what I do is from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. I my social media. I use screen time on my Apple phone, and that just basically it's a way to restrict my usage of anything on my phone, really. So I set it to my social media apps. 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the morning, I cannot use social media. I swear to you, for like three weeks straight, and even to this day, when I'm having my morning coffee, I stare at my phone, and I stare at, as silly as this sounds, I will admit it to you, I stare at my phone, and I stare at those apps that are grayed out, and I try to tap on them, because that's how addictive it is to Mm -hmm. me. And then I'm like saying to myself, oh, okay, at some point my brain's gonna get warmed up here, I'm gonna start thinking about what I actually wanna do, and then I'm gonna do it. And I'm okay, Um, I'm like, I don't know, man enough to admit that, I guess, for lack of a better uh, expression, uh, that I, I need that kind of help in my life. I, <laughs> I'm not too proud to say that. One of the most common questions our listeners ask us is where we like to do our research. In this day and age, we're hit in the face by information everywhere we turn. So it's important to be selective about what content you choose to consume with your time to make sure it's time well spent. Our Ace in the Hole is a monthly publication called Mass, or Monthly Application in Strength Sports. Each month, we receive the latest issue of Mass with articles that are specifically curated for strength sport athletes, coaches, and fitness enthusiasts in a consumable, easy-to-digest format. Greg Knuckles, Eric Helms, and Mike Zordos are not only leaders in the industry, they have committed their careers to sifting through thousands of studies and journals on the latest in fitness science to find the most relevant cutting-edge info so you don't have to. If there was only one research source you could spend your time and energy reading to keep up with the evidence-based fitness world, in our opinion, it would be mass. Learn more about how to subscribe to their monthly digest at bit.ly forward slash vpmass and that link will also be in the show notes so should you want to keep on listening and check it out later you can if there's only one thing we have learned is to never stop learning hope you find our secret weapon as useful as we do well yeah i mean we're in this we're in an awkward situation where we have to be on social media for work all the time um, and I think that's where I personally struggle with it is because I know like I have to log into this thing that for all intents and purposes, I don't want to, I know it's not good for me. I know it's not good for my brain. Like I, it's almost like I can feel it changing the way my brain operates. And like Giacomo said, uh, sometimes I'll pick up my phone and immediately click open an app. I didn't even want to be in. Like I didn't even want to go on Facebook or want to go on Instagram, but then there I am and I have to be like, why did I open this? But then there's a notification and I click it and I see what it is. So one of the things that I've done is I actually shut off all notifications on my phone, all of them. I do not get any notifications from Instagram or Facebook. I don't use Twitter really, but um, I shut off all my notifications. So I will only see what's happening when I go into the app. So I haven't limited my... Um, like screen time like Giacomo did, but that actually has made it so I am not distracted by those apps all day. So here's the deal, and and here's the revelation that I had, and so I'm not lost in my own mind in the technology era and the age of too much information, and and arguably we're kind of too connected at this point. Way too connected. (laughs) Where people, right, on computers, but their computers. We don't have to be controlled by computers. And furthermore, you can control your computer. You can control your phone, you can control your your monitor, and you can use it in a controlled manner. So you can literally set start and stop times. You can, the same way when computers first came out, that if you were tired of using, you could press the off button and move on to, or TV, you could press the off button. Computers, you can literally control the way you want them to. So there's no reason, it's not like an all or none thing, like, oh crap, this is bad, and I should just stay away from it. It's like, all right, well, if I have to be on my phone throughout the day, because that's a part of my job to be on social media throughout the day, you set a limit. You set an hour, set two hours, and your computer will block you, your phone will block you from using it for more than one to two hours. And it's as simple as that. You know what I mean? I don't have to think about the psychological strain of it and and uh, and try to outsmart myself to be able to stop using social media. I just have to set these these devices that I use to, to limit my usage and, and then I can live my life. I think you also have to have a conversation with yourself where you remind yourself very frequently that almost none of what you're seeing is real. It is so, so important to understand that 
that even though a lot of it comes across as innocent and you think, well, my coworker couldn't possibly be posting a bunch of fake bullshit because she has no reason to post a bunch of fake bullshit. It may very well be fake bullshit. And God, it is just, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I posted this recently, but I read about an Instagrammer, an Instagram influencer who went into an ice cream shop that had a big mural on the wall bought an ice cream cone, posed in front of the yeah. mural while somebody took pictures of her for a few minutes, threw the ice cream cone in the trash, and left. I've heard of other stories of people going to Nordstrom and buying these really like high-end designer outfits and then coming back and returning them a couple days later because they're wearing these clothes for a photo shoot and then returning them uh, and doing it over and over and over again. So when all of these stores return policies change, you can blame the Instagram influencers. <laughs> um, fields of flowers. Like, you know, in the springtime, those huge fields of sunflowers you see sometimes? Like, those fields have had to be shut down to the public because Instagram influencers are ruining them for everybody by getting in them and, like, smashing all the flowers. Like, for what? For what? For a shitty picture that looks the same as every other shitty picture that sells some freaking CBD oil that no one wants. Like, I, I can't wrap my head around it. And I guess I just wanted to make this podcast to share with you guys. So we are by no means like mega social media stars by any stretch of the imagination. But we have had some modicum of success on social media and you know, just sharing our ideas and our content and our videos and podcasts that we hope are helpful to people. So you know, I've had friends or family members be like, "Oh, it must be so cool that you have social media as a job." And I'm like, "Uh, nope. Actually, first of all, it's just a part of our job. My job is a coach. We are coaches. That is what we do. Um, but we do have to spend a lot of time on social media. And even as people who kind of understand how it all works, it even still messes with us. So if you are opening up your phone and scrolling and struggling with what you see, uh, you're not alone. You know, I, I don't I don't think you're alone. I think there's more people that are feeling that way than are not feeling that way. And everybody is kind of grappling with certain ideas pertaining to social media, but it's almost, it's kind of like after the internet was invented, we were never going to go back to a world without the internet. You know, we're never going to go back to a world without social media. I don't think so. So you have to find a way to... If it's going to be a part of your life, because it's definitely not going to leave this culture, but if it's going to be a part of your life personally, you have to find a way to implement it in your life healthfully so that it doesn't detract from your quality of life the way it is more or less intentionally designed to do. And again, more conversations. Like I would love, oh my God, I would love to keep having this conversation with you guys because I know it doesn't have anything to do with fitness or bodybuilding, or even veganism per se. But I think it, that we all can relate to this topic in one way or another. And I think that we, much like way back when Giacomo and I met on veganbodybuilding.com, we met because we were just two vegan athletes trying to figure out how to do this damn thing in a way that made sense. I feel like now, you know, 15 years later, we're in a world where we're all trying to figure out how to live with this elephant in the room that is social media and like have it make sense in our life and add value to our life rather than take away from it. And I would love to hear how you guys have found ways of going about doing that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do honestly feel that it has added some value to, you know, our life and, and yeah. I think to others. Um, and, but I think it's important to understand the, the drawbacks of it. And I don't know. I mean, we, I say, I guess like we had a, a quiet 
I want to say we had a quiet period that lasted around two years, and we could blame it on personal things, but I think even in a business sense, we were just sort of tired of social media. So I don't want to say we checked out entirely, but we definitely pulled back on it. And then we realized, okay, this tool is pretty valuable, and we want to get back to it. We want to get back to reaching out to people, because that's the way the world works now. And then we went right back into it. Like, we we fully immerse ourselves. And I, and then I, th- I think at this point, we've kind of come full circle to the understanding. <laughs> to like, be like, oh, yeah, this is why we did we stopped before, because this sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, like, not necessarily that it sucks, but just that we need to do it in control. We need to do it, but we need to do it in a controlled manner. And we need to basically be able to check in and check out from it. And I think that's the ongoing challenge. You know, how do you check in and check out from it? I mean, yeah, you know, even when you're not on your phone, because your phone won't let you, if you're me, (laughs) Um, you're still thinking about it. Well, Robert Cheek actually did a really great, so I don't know if any of you guys noticed, and he'll probably never listen to this because he's a punk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to tell him to. But uh, Robert Cheek checked out of social media for months and months. How long was he off? I don't know. It was more than months. It was well over a year. I mean, he was off social media. He did not use social media at all because, um, and I don't think I'm outing him at all. He said it himself in his emails. Like he has a very addictive personality and he essentially was kind of like addicted to social media and posting pictures and liking and getting comments and all of that jazz. So he checked out for six months, but much like, um, And he accomplished a ton in six months because he was not distracted by social media. Um, But now that he's realized for business purposes, he kind of has to come back to it. One of the things he did is he only put Facebook and Instagram on his iPad, which Mm -hmm. is at home. So he does not have social media on his phone at all. So it cannot distract him when he's out. He has to be at home on his iPad in order to do anything on it, which I also thought was like a pretty neat thing. So like we're all kind of sorting our way through this. And I wouldn't be surprised to find out people that literally live their lives on social media, people with millions of followers. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that they struggle with it to a degree as well. So anyway... I hope this conversation was interesting to you guys. It's our 50th episode, so we decided to do whatever the hell we wanted today. But I guess we can answer some questions, huh? Oh, oh, this is a loaded question. All right. Okay, Giacomo, I don't know who asked this. No? What, What do you do when your spouse or partner is struggling? What do I do when my spouse or partner is struggling? Yeah, I assume with fitness or diet. Ah. <laughs> Choose your words carefully here, bud. Oh, boy. All right. Well, when my... when, when let's, let's 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 say hypothetically Danny is struggling with something. And, uh, and, I, and I... Whether I am or whether I'm not, it doesn't matter, first of all. I think it's easy when someone is struggling to be like, hey, I'm struggling too. And that's just, that's mistake number one. Mm. We all struggle. We get it. But when someone is struggling, it's not about your struggle. Like there's no need for you to relate to them. I think step one is to listen to their struggle. And, uh, and you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. Maybe you've never struggled with what they're struggling. Maybe you have struggled with what they struggled before. But at the end of the day, like you really just, you're there to support them and their needs and, sort of help I, I think one you just got to make sure that they're being heard because if, if someone's not being heard like what's the what's the point like how people need to come to things on their own right so you might have the solution you might have the answer you might you might be looking on at your partner or spouse to struggle on the outside and be like oh silly I, I know what you're going through because I've gone through it before and this is fitness and I have the answer because I'm a coach and I'm a professional as well and it's like no even even amongst two coaches that are also husband and wife together, like you still need to help that other person by listening to what they're going through and, and allowing them, giving them some space basically to, to, to be, to feel comfortable being vulnerable with you. And no matter how, no matter how obvious the answer might be to you, the answer to someone going through a struggle, it's going to be different for everyone. It's the same thing with my clients, right? Like, each one of my clients is an individual 
And just because I, I'm familiar with whatever it is they're struggling with doesn't mean I have any idea how they're going through it. So it's a matter of listening, I think, to your, your spouse or partner's uh, concerns and their needs. Make sure that they're being heard. Understand how it's uh, affecting them. And you might have some advice once they're, once they're like, hey, what would be your advice? I think you still tread lightly there. Um, maybe give them a little bit of, of info, but I think at the end of the day, it's more about just being emotionally supportive, I want to say, and listening. I think that that is at the bottom of the pyramid when it comes to someone's struggles. I don't care what the struggle is, even if it's something you know so much about. Um, and then really only giving them some sort of constructive criticism if they're explicitly asking for it. And then even then, I think you tread lightly. All right, Dan, I got a question for you. Uh, pros and cons of reverse dieting. Right time versus the wrong time, and how do you measure success? Hmm. I guess like the success of a, of a recovery or repose, re reverse okay, diet period. So uh, first of all, the way I would measure success is how much were you able to adhere to it? Um, that to me is the number one measure of success, not your body composition, not your amount of weight regain, not this or that. How much were you able to adhere to it? And how did you feel mentally about it? Because to put it in not so scientific terms, people are crazy at the end of a diet. They're crazy. And everybody is. I have not met one person who at the end of a diet isn't dealing with some sort of psychological ramifications of being on a diet. So when, what, what is the question? Uh, pros and cons of reverse dieting, right time versus wrong time. So a reverse diet is when you walk calories up very, very slowly to try to maintain a weight loss. So when is a reverse diet appropriate? Uh, we actually did a whole podcast on reverse dieting many years ago um, that we have since deleted because we changed our stance on it so much that I didn't want people to listen to it and try to do it. We deleted the whole episode? Yeah, it's gone. Oh, I didn't know that. Now you know. <laughs> we Whoa. have an episode called Revisiting Reverse Dieting. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's how much we changed our stance on reverse dieting after um, trying to execute reverse diets with probably probably close to like 30 clients and watching them uh, struggle and fail and fall off, um, we completely changed our minds on them. Um, so the goal is to keep your weight the same and walk your calories up. So most of the time people were doing this right after a contest prep, which in my opinion, one, you can't maintain that weight. You shouldn't maintain that weight. There's a laundry list of reasons why you shouldn't try to maintain a contest prep, a stage ready weight and level of body fat. It's not healthy for probably like 95% of people. And then the other 5% are, are, they're kind of freaks that their bodies just want to stay there. But the rest of us, it doesn't. So when you try to walk calories up slowly, all you're doing is extending the diet longer. And eventually you're going to have to have such a big bump in calories that you're going to end up regaining much necessary weight, but you're going to feel like a failure. So the intention here is important. Uh, so in this case, we recommend a recovery diet, not a reverse diet, where that is where you basically have a big initial calorie jump right after competition prep. You just accept the fact that you're going to gain about 10% of your weight back over the next six to eight weeks. And that's that. You get back to a healthy place faster. So there is an obvious need, in our opinion, for a correction in the industry when it comes to reverse dieting. It's been so sensationalized that, I mean, I guess we sort of have an agenda to make sure like, hey, this should not be glorified anymore. And in the majority of circumstances, especially when someone is just too lean mm -hmm. for it to be sustainable, like in no way, shape or form should a reverse diet be executed. Like anything else, just like we were talking about on the keto, ketogenic episode uh, just before this one, you take bits and pieces mm -hmm. from everything and you, you, know, you figure out if there's other ways to apply it. There, I feel like there are situations where you may want to take some sort of like a reverse diet yeah. model, in my opinion, and I, I'm sure, you know, we mostly parallel, but sometimes we differ, right? But in my opinion, I think when someone hasn't dieted down too hard, yeah. 
and they're the right type of person for it, it can be considered. Like well, No, that's what I was going to say, is if, you, if you've just gone through a general fat loss phase, but you're still like more in the athletic body fat range, not the super lean body fat range. So what would that be for guys? Like 10 to 15%? Roughly. And for women, like 20 to 25%? Right. Okay, so if you're in that body fat percentage range-ish, because we'll never really know our body fat percentage, right? Um, and that's where your diet ends, then I think that's an appropriate time to reverse diet because that's not super lean, but it's a healthy lean that you could maintain. So then I think it would be a good time to slowly walk calories up and try to maintain your weight. But even then, I think it still depends not just on the, the individual's ability to do it, but also their, there's more questions to ask. It's going to be, yeah. what are their goals? How many years have they been training? Are they okay with slower muscle gain? What is, what is their desired outcome here? If someone's looking to maintain year-round at a certain at a certain uh, with at, with a certain look to their physique, um, then I then I think that it it could be fine. Well, also, how was the diet? What was the diet that got you into that shape? If it was super extreme, eating a thousand calories a day, but you ended it as a female at like twenty one percent body fat, you still are not going to be able to just walk calories up slowly because you really shouldn't be eating that little for that long. Um, but if it was a more sustainable type of an approach to the diet in the first place, you could walk calories up a little bit slower than that. So it depends on the diet, but there are times and places for a reverse diet, um, but after a competition is not one of them in our opinion. All right, and that concludes another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. Feel free to stay in touch with us at Vegan Proteins and at Muscles by Brussels on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We have a Facebook group. Uh, you can find us out there on the social medias. And other than that, once again, my name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye.